And let's be clear, we exist only as a Great Commission people. We exist in order that sinners will hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe and be saved from all the nations. The marching orders of the Church of Jesus Christ were to go into all the world and preach the gospel because the gospel has the power unto salvation. This is what it means to follow Christ. A call to live, a call to die, a call to spend your life for Jesus here and around the world until he returns. Welcome. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast with Paul Aiken. And this is Pastor Well podcast with Herschel York. Yeah, and it's Great Commission Week here at Southern Seminary, and we're really excited to have a conversation today together with Dr. Herschel York. I'll introduce him in a moment, but we're here at Southern Seminary speaking in front of a live audience here at the Southern Bookstore, and excited to have a conversation about what it means to pastor your congregation well in the Great Commission. That's right, Paul. Leading your church to be involved in the Great Commission is really crucial to being a faithful pastor. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. For those of you who don't know, my friend and colleague, Dr. Herschel York, is the dean of the School of Theology here at Southern Seminary. He's also the senior pastor at Buck Run Baptist Church in Frankfort, Kentucky, where he has served as the pastor for 20 years, soon to be transitioning out of that role, but we can talk more about that later. But Buck Run is a church that's very engaged in the Great Commission and is very proud of that. And so I'm excited to have this conversation with Dr. York today. Uh, Dr. York, I want to go ahead and jump into the conversation. You lead a podcast that's focused on helping pastors and churches. I have a podcast that's focused on global mission, but both of us are passionate about both of those things. And so I think it's important for us to think through how do these two things fit together? I believe pretty strongly in the local church being God's primary agent or vehicle for the accomplishment of the Great Commission. I think you would agree with that as well. I certainly do. So I want to ask, what's the importance of being a church that is on mission? Why is that critical or important? Well, it's the very purpose of the church. You know, Jesus organized his church and he told it what to do. And it's to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all things that he's commanded us. So Frankly, if your church is not somehow engaged in taking the gospel to the nations, you're you're disobedient. There's no other word for it. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I think about a passage like Acts 13, where we see kind of this collision of both local church and global mission. It's there in the context of praying and fasting right. that the Holy Spirit, the church decides, hey, let's set apart these two guys, Paul and Barnabas, for the sake of great commission work. And we see those two things put together there. As you think about pastoring and leading a congregation, how does the pastor actually lead the congregation to be involved and engaged in missions? Well, I'm one who believes that everything rises and falls on leadership. Mm. I think a pastor sets the tone in so many ways, whether we like it or not. You know, a church takes on the personality of the pastor for better or worse. So you need to make sure that it's for better. And one of the things that you need to do is just really saturate the church in the the whole ethos of mission and talking about this is why we're here. This is what we have to do. And I think it involves getting the church involved in mission on a lot of levels, giving, sending, going, and connecting with missionaries on the field, all of that. And, you know, it's just like anything else. 
if the pastor's not bought into it, it's really almost impossible for the church to be. But man, if if the pastor is sold on the mission, he's going to talk about it. He's going to preach about it. He's going to encourage others to go. And most of all, I think you're going to set a, a spirit and a a standard in all that you do that enables people to feel the movement of the Holy Spirit themselves to give, to go, to participate. And I will tell you, after you know the first few years I was at Buck Run, I think it was largely me leading them to do certain things. But after a while, it's like they're doing stuff apart from me. I, I, I jokingly say, if I know everything that's going on, not enough's going on. And um, some of the best stuff we have done is stuff that wasn't my idea at all, but people brought to me, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we go there? Why don't we get involved in this way? And the Lord has really blessed all of those things. And I think a pastor has to do both things. You you really do have to lead out and and encourage them to do certain things, but then you have to free them up so that they're involved in the mission and it, it can happen even or without you sometimes. Mm. I think a phrase that kind of sums up maybe what you just communicated there is that the pulpit drives the church in many ways, right? Absolutely. It's the one thing that you do that's going to touch more of your church than anything else. You know, it's great to have a wonderful worship uh, team and all that. That's that's great. But the thing that shapes the church more than anything else is the preaching of the Word and the systematic teaching of what the Word of God says, what the commands of Jesus are. It It's going to form a church for mission. And I think a, a pastor has to highlight that. I want to maybe throw a curveball question to you. You know, what would you say to someone who's in a church and maybe they're even a staff member or maybe they're just a, a lay leader and they're like, man, I really want to be engaged in global mission. I want our church to be more involved. But the pastor maybe doesn't talk about it so much or it's not something that we hear from the pulpit. You know, how, how would you encourage that person or maybe talk that person through that? I would encourage them to go talk to the pastor and just say, hey, man, I, I think you're great at what you do, uh, and but I, I want to encourage you to encourage us. We need this. We need this from you. You're the key person. Uh, frankly, uh, some of the greatest moves in my life have been because people in my church came to me and said, you, you need to be more this. You need, you need to be more engaged in that. It, it's never really pleasant to hear because you sort of like to think you're on top of all that, right? But I got over that a long time ago. That That's the way God works. And the Lord has brought people into my life that have helped me be more faithful and have and some of the greatest stuff that our church has done it was really someone else's idea. And they came to me and they said, hey, I think we need to do this. I, I can't tell you how many times I've come back with them with all the reasons why we shouldn't do it. And I jokingly say it's 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 terribly embarrassing when you're, your deacons are more spiritual than you are. But it happens. I mean, I, I, I could tell you story after story of people coming to me and saying, we need to do this. And I'm like, you know— uh, we're already committed here and there, and you know that's 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 great that you want to do that. And they're like, you know, Pastor, our church will do it if you ask, but you have to ask. Mm. Wow, you know. And so I've been on the receiving end of that, and that's why I would tell someone: if you graciously, lovingly go, not critically, not your finger in their face, you don't do this enough. It's just like, man, you're Pastor, you are the key 
voice around here that people listen to. And if you ask us to do this, we'll do it. Yeah, that's and, good. And I, I, I'm grateful for the people in my church who've come to me and said that from time to time. If there's any pastors listening to this and you have people in your congregation who come to you and kind of kick you in the pants a little bit to get you going on mission, you can send your frustration emails to Dr. Herschel York. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think you'll send me a thank you note. Mm. Uh, let me, I'll tell you. So in 2016, we built a new building at Buck Run. Uh, we grew significantly. You know, our church is uh, over 200 years old, 205 years old now. By God's grace, it grew and precipitated a relocation. And, you know, we, we were on a 97-acre campus. But I was determined uh, when we did that, I said, we're not going to cut our missions giving by one dime. We're not going to ask our missionaries to pay for our building. We're going to do this over and above what we're giving and doing already. And I also prayed that when we moved in that building, that the Lord would do something more significant than our new building. I knew if your goal is getting in a new building, then once you're there, then what, right? While we were building that building, my executive pastor, Zach Thurman, comes to me and says, I think God's leading me to plant a church in Colorado. I'm like, where did that come from? And I've not talked about Colorado. I mean, but I trusted Zach enough. I said, well, if the Lord's leading you to do that, we're going to get on board with that. And the day we moved into our new building, I promised our people, I said, we're going to have, we're going to have news on our first day in that new building that will eclipse the fact that we're in a new building. And on that day, I announced to them, we're planting a church in Colorado, and Zach and Jen Thurman and their boys are moving out there. We're looking for others to go out there with them. We had five families go, and uh, they organized in a church. I was out there for their, like they just had their third anniversary. I was out there three weeks ago for the launch. They're now planting another church in Durango, Colorado. One of the families that moved out there from Buck Run. Now, Buddy Sampson, he's going down to Durango, and he's going to pastor the church. And by the way, that day that I went out there for the launch of the new church, they had 360 in attendance. That's a church that's three years old. And that wasn't my idea. It wasn't my vision. It was me trusting the Lord, working in Zach, and, and being willing to let five families go and leave Buck Run and go out there. And the result is many people who didn't know Jesus now know Jesus. More are going to encounter Christ there in Durango. I wish I could take credit for that and say, look, look what a great leadership that was. But the only thing I take credit for is that I'm not dumb enough to get in the Lord's way. Mm -hmm. You know, when the Lord is moving, I say, hey, go with it. Uh, and uh, man, the Lord has just blessed it so much. And uh, I'm grateful that he moves in other people other than just me. Mm, amen. That's a good story. I, I think you said something there that kind of piqued a thought. You were willing to send your executive pastor. Yes. So I think sometimes when we think about mission sending, our tendency is to find people that were like, well, this person may seem kind of strange, or they've kind of struck out at three or four different things. Maybe we should send them to the mission field. And what you did was you said, no, God is now raising up one of our key leaders. Can you talk about the idea of being willing to send some of your top leaders? Well, we pray specifically that. We publicly pray at Buck Run that the Lord will take our best and our brightest. And so what that does is it, it establishes that as a position of honor 
that the ones that go are our best and our brightest. And maybe you're not ready to go. Maybe you need to grow and learn and do some things here before you're ready to go. But if you've sort of come through our pipeline and you've done our training, I mean, Zach was an intern at, at Buck Run first, then he was our middle school pastor, then he was our youth pastor, then he was our exec pastor, and then he became our church planner. And he's been with us. He was a student at Boyce here, and he's he, he came up all that way. And now, man, he, you know, he's, he's sending now. It's just uh, great to see the Lord working in that way. And so we specifically pray that, and we make that a goal. And uh, some of, I, again, some of our, our very best people, the hardest ones to lose are the ones we've given up. Like, I'll tell you, Buddy Sampson, the guy that went with him, Buddy was the principal at Franklin County High School. And at one time was, I mean, he's so brilliant. He was, he was the youngest high school principal in the state of Kentucky at one time. And he wrote a program that trains high school students in, to take the ACT exam. And they bought it from him and then paid him, pay him royalties on it and then pay him to sell it to programs. So that's what enabled him. He gave up his job and moved out there. And he, you know, he's making a living, but it's all to support his ministry. Buddy's one of the most gifted people I've ever met, he and his wife, Brooke. And, man, when they said, we're going with Zach, it was like, oh, man, we're losing out two great families. But, you know, they're not mine. They belong to Jesus. And if he wants to take them and send them, uh, that's his business. I I dare not stand in the way. And God's always been faithful that when he takes great people, he sends us others. And that's part of our process of discipleship. We're building, we're making disciples and growing them so we can send them out again. That's good. The Great Commission is a call to go. And a call to go is a call to prepare. Whether you're called to advance the gospel in your local church or on mission fields around the world, Southern Seminary is committed to preparing you for a lifetime of faithful ministry. Designed with flexibility and personalization in mind, the Master of Divinity in Great Commission Studies allows pastors, missionaries, and ministry leaders to prepare for their own unique call to ministry. It's designed to equip students with the biblical foundation and the practical training needed to present the gospel clearly in cross-cultural missional settings. To learn more about the Master of Divinity in Great Commission Studies, go to sbts.edu bgs or go to the episode notes for this podcast and click the link to the Billy Graham School of Southern Seminary. There, you'll learn how listeners to this podcast can save $40 when applying for classes. That web address again is sbts.edu slash bgs. You know, you talked about the importance of the pastor and the pulpit and preaching and these kinds of things and casting a missions vision. What about the pastor getting actually on the mission field and going on short-term trips? you think that's important? I do. I think short-term trips are tricky. There's way too much Christian tourism that masquerades as a mission trip. And this is one of the things I think also we've done well at Buck Run. When we go on a mission trip, we have a meeting where we tell everybody, look, this isn't about our experience. This isn't about us uh, doing anything for us. We're going to be completely at their disposal. The one thing we can promise you is that it's not going to go according to plan, that things will happen. Like one of my best friends, a church that my dad helped plant in 1960 in Manaus, Brazil, is now one of the 10 largest churches in Brazil. And uh, when they moved into a new building 10 years ago, they needed somebody just to build their pews. You know, 
you don't have church furniture companies in Brazil. So we took a team down there, and we spent a week building all their pews for this massive new building. That didn't feel like a really spiritual—we uh, we called it butts for Jesus. It didn't feel like a really spiritual thing. And yet, I can show you pictures. I mean, David, I, I, I watch them online. I'm going down there in July and preaching for him again. They're running now. They've got over 30 campuses, and they run at the main campus between ten and 13,000. And they're sitting in pews that Buckron built. Somebody, you know, that had to be provided for them. And so we do things like that. I, I personally lead in those things. I, I want to go. We're heavily involved in Romania, Brazil, Panama. We have IMB missionaries from Buckron that are in, in, in serving in Panama. And we're helping get the gospel there in the Darien Gap between Colombia and Panama and uh, Imbara Indians. I have dear friends that are Imbara Indians in Panama, that young lady named Malala is like a kid sister to me. And it's because I went and, you know, I know them and love them. And it, it again, it sets a spirit and a standard in all you do. Yeah, I think that's important. You know, as Southern Baptists, there's a variety of things that we have that we're thankful for. Obviously, seminaries, theological education, these kinds of things. But we know that all the way back to our founding, some of the key components of that were our mission boards, our mission agencies, so right. International Mission Board, North American Mission Board. Can you talk a little bit about what you believe is is unique about those organizations? Obviously, there's lots of missions organizations today. Churches have a menu of options, but why is it that you think I and B and NAM are unique? They are unique because, first of all, they are Southern Baptist. And by that, I mean they are bound by our doctrinal statements. So, you know, Southern Baptists long ago recognized we can do a whole lot more together than we can do separately and individually. It would be impossible, even for a church like Buck Run, uh, who's doing a lot of things right, we could really not have a global strategy on our own. We need the IMB. We need to partner with all the other churches. The IMB gives us a strategy, a worldwide strategy. Now, Southern Baptists need to realize that it's not the IMB that sends missionaries. It's churches who send missionaries. The IMB is simply the organization we use for for that strategy and also for financial provision and accountability. And that that is so I'm so grateful for that. Imagine if Local churches had to handle finances for all these missionaries or health insurance. I mean, people don't realize that's a major part of missions is making sure you're taking care of your people. And so the IMB and the North American Mission Board are our organizations. They are under the authority of the Southern Baptist Convention, which is a really is all that is, is just a, a group of churches. So the local church really is the boss, and I, I'm just a real believer. I like the way we do missions. My dad was a missionary when I was a kid, a little kid, and I, I like the name of your podcast, by the way, because you know I'm an Amazon kid. I, I lived on the Amazon, and I've spent a lot of time in my life on the Amazon. My dad was a missionary there in Manaus at the confluence of the Rio Negro and the Rio Amazonas, and it's just a really special place to me. So, you know, I know what it's like to be on the field. Uh, I know how much we need support and connection to the churches. And the IMB and NAM are just uh, two tremendous organizations. They're big. So, and, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not perfect. 
And it's the bigger something gets, you can always pick out some problem here and there, find something you don't like. But frankly, the only way you don't have any problems is you don't do anything. And you just say, well, look at that. We've not done anything wrong because we've not done anything. So the IMB and NAM are, I think, just tremendous organizations. And Southern Baptists have a vehicle by, through which we can send missionaries with, uh, that are part of a strategy and church planting in North America and around the world. Hmm, that's good. I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier. I think it's helpful. This is something that I think is a newer development, and uh, I'm thankful for it. But you mentioned it's it's not the IMB or North American Mission Board that sends the missionary or the church planter. It's the local church that does that. That's right. Can you talk some more about kind of what you see as kind of the primacy of the local church in sending, and then maybe how the IMB and NAM might kind of come alongside that? Jesus established the church. You know, he loved the church and gave himself for the church. The church can exist without seminaries. The church can exist without mission boards. Seminaries and mission boards cannot exist without churches. So I think Southern Baptists have that right understanding of church polity. And churches send missionaries, and those missionaries go out under the authority of that church but because we partner together, then we can do it through that uh, a common strategy. And Southern Baptists uh, have trustees that we've elected that oversee the work of these boards, and they choose a president who leads that. We've got two great presidents in Paul Chitwood and, and Kevin Ezell leading the IMB and North American Mission Board. And it is, it's just a, a wonderful partnership that we're able to have. But make no mistake about it, I know sometimes it feels like because they're big and maybe your church is small, you feel like you're disconnected or whatever. But this is why it's so important to show up. You go to the Southern Baptist Convention and go, go to the IMB uh, dinner and the NAM luncheon and write letters, talk to them, you know, get, get involved and uh, you'll have, I, I think, first of all, you'll be wonderfully surprised at all that God is doing and how well we're doing things. Uh, it's easy to get on Twitter and see one bad thing that gets highlighted or something. But the reality is there are literally hundreds of thousands of people who are hearing the gospel because Southern Baptist churches are sending missionaries through the IMB and NAM. Yeah, that's good. You know, one of the things I like to say when I talk about this in my classes is IMB, NAM, Southern Seminary, we are parachurch organizations, which means we we come alongside, we exist to serve the local churches. And I think you're you're getting to that. I think even as you mentioned earlier, you think about the mechanism of, okay, yeah, a local church can disciple, they can train, they can do some of those things. But when it comes to payroll and taxes and logistics and houses and insurance, that can get really, really challenging. And so the IMB exists. They specialize in those ways. NAM, they specialize in these things that really, I think, help serve churches in a key way. So my dad was a missionary with a really small independent Baptist missions organization when I was uh, little. And I, I talked about my best friend who now pastors that megachurch. His dad and my dad were missionaries together there in the Amazon. And they were they were up the river. They were at a place called uh, Fado, I think, trying to plant a church. By the way, John Hatcher, David's dad, planted 
70 churches. He just died last year. He planted 70 churches that are still in existence, 67 of them in Brazil, and about three of them here in the United States. But David's mom had a a child stillborn, a little girl, and they buried her in a shoebox in the backyard and then had services that evening. I mean, this you're talking the 1960s. There was no member care. There was no way to uh, – you couldn't even communicate that, right? I mean, there was, you couldn't even call the United States back then. And there was just like no support whatsoever. And, uh, you know, I look at them as heroes, but I can also tell you, knowing that family well, it took a real toll. Miss Miss Hatcher had real problems with that, mental issues. Just, uh, just it was devastating, you know, to be so alone. And I look at that, and I'm so glad our missionaries don't have to go through that anymore. Mm-hmm. Now we we have a, a global network that we can care for them and support them. And when tragedies like that happen, there there's a way to get to them to bring them out when we need to. Again, no single church can do that. But, man, look what, when we partner together, you know, most people don't know that the IMB is self-insured. That's there's no There is no insurance organization that insures all our missionaries. We insure all our missionaries. A church couldn't do that, you know. So I'm so grateful that we have figured out a, a strategy where we can partner together and and help each other fulfill the Great Commission. Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that. It makes you it makes you proud to be a Southern Baptist. It does. It absolutely does. Yeah. All right. I want to play a little bit devil's advocate here. Let's say there's somebody listening and they're saying, hey, that's great. You know, Herschel York, he pastors Buck Run, and that's a big, large church that has all kinds of resources. They're able to do all kinds of stuff. I'm a pastor of a small church, and you know, I'm the only staff member, and I'm bivocational, and we don't have a lot of resources. How can my church be involved in Great Commission Global Mission work? There are so many ways. First of all, uh, don't don't ever despise the day of small things. God uses small things. Uh, you know, I, I have pictures of me in my mother's arms at the organizational service of that church I told you about in Brazil. It was in a thatched roof hut then, and today it's one of the 10 largest churches in Brazil. So things start small, and that's okay. And they might even stay small, but the one thing you have to be is faithful. So are you faithful in giving? Get your people excited about giving. And through your state association, there are ways to go. The smallest church in the state of Kentucky can still go on a mission trip to Brazil. You know, if they have two people that want to go, they can go with the Kentucky Baptist Convention and, and, and go on a mission trip to Brazil. Most state conventions have, have similar things, and that's why when you— work through your local association and your state convention, there are opportunities for you to go. Uh, when I was president of the Kentucky Baptist Convention, I went with the group from the Trigg County Association. I went with them to northeastern Brazil at, in 2005. I'll never forget it. It was one of the best times I ever had. Everyone on that trip was in a really small church, but they went together with their local association, and we just had a marvelous time. God worked in a great way. We help to plant a church, so there are ways to do it. But if you're if you're giving and you're going, and then you're praying, Lord, raise up from among us. God works in concert with the prayers of His people, and so if you'll just be involved in praying, Lord, raise up from among us those that will go. And then also, you can adopt a people group. 
just to pray. And you can think about how your church can help reach a people group. I mean, contact the IMB, go to the IMB website. You can see this. Think about ways that, I mean, if you contact the North American Mission Board, ways that you can partner with them and replanting, revitalizing, disaster relief. There's so many different things. It doesn't matter how small your church is. There are lots of opportunities if you'll avail yourself of them. Yeah, that's good. I want to ask you one last question. I appreciate your your time. Let's say you had an aspiring pastor, an aspiring, uh, yeah, maybe a current pastor, and you want to say one thing to them that would kind of encourage them as they're wanting to lead a missions-minded church or missions-minded congregation. What is one thing you would say to that aspiring pastor or current pastor? Be a man of prayer. I really just believe that we do not pray as we should. When Jesus looked at the fields that were white under harvest, he said, pray the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the fields. I don't know why, you know, Jesus couldn't be clearer in that instruction, but I, I think you don't, I just don't hear churches. I travel around and preach in a lot of churches and there are two prayers Jesus told us to pray. I almost never hear anybody pray. One is, lead us not into temptation. The other is, Lord, send labors into the harvest. We should pray both those things. Jesus told us to pray those things. We should be faithful in praying those things. And uh, I think that if we pray, God's going to be faithful to answer our prayers, and we will see things happen mm-hmm. because he's always wants to bring glory to himself. He And if you— Put God on the line and say, okay, Lord, I'm asking you to do what you said you would do. Hmm. I think he'll show up and he'll do it. Amen. I often say that prayer is the most fundamental but often neglected means of mission. Absolutely. And I think you're right. Herschel, thank you so much for your time for the conversation today. Well, man, thank you. you know, it's it's First of all, it's a joy to work with you and uh, love you dearly. Your family has meant so much to me through the years, and it's a joy to work with you after having worked with your dad in the very same role. And uh, I just thank you for your mission involvement, and it's a joy to have this conversation with you today. Mm. Amen. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to our podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Thank you for joining us on Amazon to the Himalayas. This podcast is brought to you by the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. Please visit our website, www.sbts.edu bgs, where you can subscribe to the show and learn more. Also, if you have found these conversations helpful, please leave us a comment or a review and encourage your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast.